Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is November 18th, 2016. My name is Phil Prosperike. I'm the site expert and editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And today we have a special episode of Locked On Magic. It is Orlando Magic Daily Podcast episode, somewhere in the 50s. I forget. It'll be on the it'll be on the on the tag. I'm joined today by our, our special guest, uh, Keith Smith of Real GM and FanRag Sports. Keith, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. I am uh, getting over a little bit of a cold, but basketball help so always ready to get into it and have a good chat with you today uh, always good to have it's first time having you on here it's always good good chatting with you at the games uh, glad to get you on the podcast finally and, and of course this is take two since i forgot to record the first five minutes of our last podcast so you did really good job sticking to the script i appreciate that yeah almost almost exactly the same and so i'll, I'll start <laughs> off with the exact same question that i had the orlando magic Sitting at five and seven, uh, the sky doesn't seem like it's falling, but it, it does in some ways for this team. A lot of uh, struggles on the offensive end, struggles on the defensive end, pieces not fitting, you know, players not really finding their way. What have been your impressions of the Orlando Magic so far this season? I think we have seen kind of the worst of what we had hoped for on the offensive end. Lots of struggles there. Struggles with the spacing, especially early on in games, which necessitated that move of Aaron Gordon to the bench. Just didn't have enough uh, spacing again to spread the floor and create those driving and passing lanes. So moving Gordon to the bench, putting Green in there, hopefully we'll get the offense out and running a little bit more out of the gate. And unfortunately, the defense hasn't been at that elite level that I think they were really hoping for it to be at. You know, I know the goal coming into the season, Frank Vogel talked about it very openly, was building an elite defense that could control the paint, control the boards, and hopefully transition into offense and get the team out and running. So without those things happening, it's just been a struggle and a tough go of it so far early. When you look at the at the team's uh, five and seven records so far, do you think that they're overperforming that record, or is that a sign of this is a team that has a talent, is able to gut out some games when they aren't playing their best, uh, and once they figure it out, then that record will seem more normal? Because I think a lot of people right now kind of consider the Magic to be worse than their record right now. Yeah, I don't know that they're worse than their record right now. I think they're probably right around where I expected them to be. I was probably maybe a little bit more optimistic than some. I thought they might come in at the end of the year slightly above 500 and right now playing just below. So I think they're probably going to be in that range. What what you want to see from them going forward, though, is this no more of this win or lose three or four, win three. You know, we'd like to see that be a little bit more consistent. Yeah, absolutely. 
So they're probably right around where I thought they would be. I don't think they've lost games that I necessarily would have expected them to win. And I think they've won the games that I would have expected them to win. So so I think they're right around where I would think they should be at this early point in the year. Yeah, and I think that's that's an interesting point. They really haven't lost any games that maybe look bad on their record. Maybe Miami on opening night, but opening night's always kind of a crapshoot, uh, in my opinion. You never really know who's going to win, who's going to lose uh, in the first game of the year. But other than that, it's hard to point to a lot to a loss that they've had and say that's a game you can't lose if you're going to make the playoffs. I mean, they say what you want about the Philadelphia game. They came from behind and won that game. Say what you want about playing John Wall with or playing the Wizards without John Wall. They came, they came back and won that game. Say what you want about playing the Pelicans without without Anthony Davis, but they won that game. I mean, it's not like they're losing games that they shouldn't. They're you know maybe the problem with this Magic team is a problem of perception in that when they've lost, they've lost big and bad, and that's certainly weighing down some of their statistics as well this early in the year. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is the challenge, what you just hit on right there. It's when they've lost games, it's been when they've lost big, and I think it's also been when there's been some eyes on them. I think people have tuned in to say, hey, the Magic, you know, a lot of times right there in that 7 p.m. Eastern window, there's not a lot going on just yet, so people might catch the beginning of games, and if they catch the wrong one, all of a sudden you think this might be one of the worst teams in the league. And I always go back to doesn't matter how you win those games or who played and who didn't play. All that matters is that you did win them. And that's, you know, if, if they had lost some of those games, now that might be a little bit of a different story. But but when you win the ones you're supposed to, you you really, you know, hope at that point you can steal one or two somewhere else and you'll be in the mix once we roll around to March and April. Yeah, and, and, I, and I've kind of said this about, about this team too on previous episodes of Lockdown Magic. I'm curious to hear – but you have to say it kind of seems like you're in the same frame of mind. Um, this, I'll premise this, this is not the 2009 Magic, but what always impressed me about the 2009 Magic is they could play a really bad game and just find a way to win it. No matter, just, no matter, how it, no matter what it took, they just found a way to win it. Their defense wasn't working, they, scored, they outscored the opponent. Their offense wasn't working, they played an ugly game and they found a way to win it. And this Magic team isn't going to be able to outscore anybody except for Oklahoma City apparently. But it, they find ways to win games. I mean, it, I, I do think there's a genuinely good quality about that. I mean, I, I, I looked at, let's say, uh, Wednesday's game against New Orleans as another statement of, well, this, this team isn't playing great, but they still found a way to win at the end. And it doesn't, again, like, like you said, it doesn't matter who's playing, who's not playing. If Anthony Davis is playing, their focus is probably a little bit different than it was, than it was Wednesday night. And they, you know, maybe pull away if they have the opportunity because they know Davis is there as a constant pressure on them. But they still played incredibly strong defense um, in their last four games. I believe they have a top, uh, top five, top ten defense in the league uh, for the last four games. Small sample size, but essentially in the last week they've gone from like t- bottom five defense to fifteenth in the league in defensive rating overall. And I think that's a huge statement that the Magic are beginning to make progress where they want to make progress. So I'm curious what you have to, if you think that this is a case of the Magic, you know, winning despite all odds or gutting their way to the wins and, and picking up wins that maybe they, they shouldn't have. And Yeah, I, th- I think it's a little bit of both with that. Mm-hmm. I think there is something that you said to finding a way to win no matter what it takes. And I think that's part of um, – 
we've heard Frank Vogel say it a lot of the team staying together and staying on the same page and trying to make sure that everyone's engaged and involved. And that helps pull those games out when you have to go to something different. That Oklahoma City game, that was a that was a weird one, right? You had a lot of, uh, a lot of emotion. emotion game, yeah. yeah, absolutely. A lot of emotion there with Serge Ibaka, and he played the game of his life. I can't you know, ever remember him playing a game <laughs> like that. It looked excellent. So I think that's a uh, a sign that the Magic can win a game um, when they have to outscore them, but that's obviously not the preference. They don't want to do that. And I think you hit on it too. The defense is coming around and it's been a lot better. And one of the things I think that happens with defense is with a lot of new additions and guys playing new roles, it can take a little bit of time for the defense to come together. It's a continuity thing there. So with Abaka in the starting five, Gordon in the starting five for half the season. Now Jeff Green stepping in there and into that role. And then you have Peyton and Fournier weren't always together in the backcourt the way they are. And then you have Vooch and Biombo up front. You've got a lot of guys that you're working in and guys figuring it out together. And that's going to take a little bit of time. And I think now you're starting to see that come together uh, night in and night out. And that they're going to start to look like the defense that I think Frank Vogel envisioned them being back at the preseason and over the course of the summer. Yeah, and, and, and they're certainly beginning to play that way. I mean, you're holding the Pacers to 88 points. The Jazz were in the in the 80s, 90s. Uh, Pelicans to 82. You're going to win games if you're holding opponents that much. Ignore how much the Magic have to score, and certainly scoring 69 against Indiana was, was very discouraging. But at the same time, you, you, you hold a team to 88, 88 points, 9 out of 10 times you're going to win that game. Uh, and, and the Magic now have, I think, held opponents under under 90 points four times in 12 games. Uh, that's a good sign, especially with where they started at, at the beginning of the season, just giving up points by the boatload. It's a good sign that the team is coming together. What's it going to take now for the team to come together, though, on the offensive end? Is it, is it going to take another wholesale lineup change? Yeah, I don't know if there's a wholesale lineup change really to be made. That's the, the challenge. Is I think you've got to stick with Peyton and Fournier as the starting backcourt. I don't know what other options you really have there. Yeah. You know, I love DJ Augustin, um, but he's, he's not – he was he running to be starting. the backup. No, exactly. And then, you know, may, you're not going to make the offense any better if you swap Vucho for Biombo. So that's not going to change. Gordon wasn't working at the three. Maybe you go back to that at some point. But I think you just stick with what it is. The guy that I think has to get going for this team of the players that are on the current roster is Mario Hazonia. Mm -hmm. They have to figure out a way to get him engaged and involved in the offense. Now, I don't know if it's maybe what I would consider doing is bring him in earlier in the games where he can play with more of the starters and he can kind of – run plays or rather the team can run plays for him to get him good looks, get him a couple easy ones early, get him off and running. Cause the challenge with Mario is if he gets in there and he's in there with almost all second unit guys, he just kind of floats around and you don't really know what he's doing out there. And if he doesn't hit his first couple shots, he's not going to play defense. So his defense is questionable at best to begin with, but if he hits his first couple shots, you see him a little bit more involved in the game and he's ready to go. So I would consider bringing him in a little early the next time around. But for that to even happen, he's going to have to win back Frank Vogel's trust to get back onto the floor because right now he just doesn't have it. 
Yeah, and, and I think that that goes to a larger larger statement about about where the Magic are at. Um, and and I think Mario and Aaron are you know there's a lot obviously invested in their futures with this team. Uh, they're they're the, they're the draft picks. You know, they're they're the guys you essentially lost three seasons to get. Uh, and so I think a lot of people want to see them play. Uh, justifying why C.J. Watson's playing at the two over uh, over Mario Azonia um, has definitely raised some eyebrows, especially because C.J. Watson isn't shooting much better than than Mario. But it could be a defense thing. It could be a, a continuity thing. It could be a continuity thing, just a trust trust thing. And and Frank Vogel said, uh, right, you know, when you're struggling, you tend to trust your veterans a little bit more, which is what he used to justify the lineup changes. How much are you, how much are you buying that? And do you agree with that with that approach to, to changing the lineup? Because you know when I looked at things, I I kind of thought you know are you really changing anything by having Jeff Green start over Aaron Gordon? Uh, and you know if you're really trying to rejigger the offense, why why not go with DJ Augustin like like Vogel suggested, or like Vogel suggested he thought about? Yeah, I think by putting Green in there, what you do is you you don't lose anything defensively that Aaron Gordon was giving you. Him and Gordon are fairly similar players in terms of defensive production. But what you hope for is he's going to give you better offensive play. Plus, he's he's what Jeff Green in some ways today is where the Magic hope Gordon would be at, which is able to handle the ball a little bit, hits the boards, gets out and runs, can hit the shot when he's open, and those kind of kind of things there. The challenge is Gordon's not there today. He wasn't doing that. The other big thing is, which people, when they just look at a box score, they don't notice is Green is rarely on the in the wrong place on the court. Gordon, regular times, right? I know we've sat next to each other and talked about this at the games. Gordon seems like he is ruining the spacing, not just because of his own gravity, but because he's not where he's supposed to be. And we've seen Fortier and even Vooch coaching him and telling him, get over there, get to the other side, you know, go to the weak side or go to the strong side, wherever he's supposed to be. It seems like he's rarely where he needs to be. So that's that's what I think you're hoping to get for out of green. Starting August, then, that's, you know, I could go either way on that. I am not the biggest Alfred Payton guy, only because I I lived through the Rajon Rondo experience. <laughs> where I just don't believe if a point guard can't shoot, I don't believe they magically learn how to. Everybody then throws Jason Kidd up as the example. That's great. That's one for the hundreds that haven't figured it out. So I I just don't – I don't know that that's going to work. And the Magic are built – I've said this regularly. They're built backwards. Their bigs have better range than their guards do outside of Evan Fortier. So that becomes a little bit of a challenge on that side. And then as far as C.J. Watson getting in there, I'm a big believer in most of us don't understand what happens in practice day in and day out. And that's where guys, especially those guys in the bench roles, are earning their playing time. And obviously, Mario Hazonia, not only in the games, he must not be showing something in practice that they need to see from him. So that's why I think C.J. Watson, C.J. Watson rather, has stolen those minutes over the last handful of games here and become really that uh, fifth bench guy coming in up until now. It looks like uh, Damian Rudez is starting to get in there and play a little bit more. And he, he had a nice game, uh, was that, last night? Yeah. He had the Pelicans, so, yeah, so we'll I- see. 
and I think I think that brings up kind of an interesting point about about the about the way the team is built, and, and certainly about Aaron Gordon and his development. Um, I think you're right. It, it does seem like some that Aaron Gordon is in in the wrong spot sometimes offensively. Like I my my big complaint during games throughout the throughout the first set of games is the Magic kind of just run into each other a lot. They're they're kind of literally standing next to each other. There's too many guys in one spot, and that kills spacing as much as having a bad that kills spacing more than having a bad shooter kills spacing. Um, yep. But I, I, the one thing I do like about bringing Aaron Gordon off the bench, and, and I'm kind of very against that idea because I, I think it's just it sends a bad message. But the one thing I do like about it is that it has given him a little bit more freedom on the ball. He's not taking shots away from people. He's not you know rocking the apple cart, so to speak, with some of the other quote unquote stars on the team, uh, and and essentially taking away opportunities for them or taking away better shots because he does tend to go one on one a little bit too much and. Think it's his turn. Think it's his turn when you know maybe he needs to move the ball or cut or do something else that he's also really good at. But in that second unit, pairing him with a stretch four like Damian Rudej, I think has given him more space than he would have in the starting with that starting group to attack off the dribble. Something that the Magic want him to do and teach him to do now that he's shifting to the three. And so almost, if the Magic are so determined to make Aaron Gordon a small forward. Moving him to the bench and playing him with a stretch four like Rudez, who essentially almost plays the three on offense now, uh, while while playing the four on defense. I think that kind of role next to Gordon has helped him get a little bit more space and become a little bit more successful as a small forward uh, within the Magic's offense. He's not quite there yet, but at least now he's doing it against weaker competition, and and it seems like he has more space to operate to to make make this whole experiment uh, work or, or provide some hope, it seems. I agree with you. And I think one other thing that helps, too, is playing with DJ. Yeah. Having him uh, out there at the top of the key or on the wing is opening things up for Gordon a little bit to do a little bit more of that ball handling, where when he's paired with Peyton, Peyton's going to – he's a ball-dominant guard. He really needs the ball to be successful. If he doesn't have the ball in his hands, there's really not a point to him being in the game. So Gordon, in that role, wasn't doing a lot of the ball handling because at that point he's really the third uh, playmaker of that group. It's going to be Peyton and then Fournier and then Gordon gets whatever's left. So too many times he was resigned to just kind of floating around the arc and waiting for the ball to come his way if it ever did. One thing I want to mention too um, before we get too deep into uh, the Aaron Gordon talk, because that, that is very, very important. Mm-hmm. One major thing I've noticed with the struggles of the offense is what in the world is going on with Nick Vucevic? Yeah. He has been awful this season. I just looked it up because it, it, it seemed like it was that way, but then I was saying in my head, I'm like, it can't have been as bad as I think. <laughs> 43% from the field so far and only 44% from the free throw line. So that the free throw line thing is that just is a complete mystery. Now it's very small sample size, only twenty, uh, looks like twenty five attempts. So you know, so that's definitely something there. But but a guy who is recently as a year ago looked like he was ready to step up and be an all star. This is a major, I uh, just disappointment. I'm not understanding what what's happened well, with him at all. Yeah, and I think I have a small explanation for it, and I think it gets to a kind of larger point and problem with the roster and the with the offense and the way the roster was constructed. Uh, I'm trying to look it up real fast here while I'm talking, but at least entering last night's game, 
uh, or last year, I'll, I'll, I'll phrase, I'll put it, push it this way. Last year, Nikola Vucevic averaged 5.4 post plays per game, according to NBA.com tracking stats. Entering last night's game, it was down to 2.7. Yeah, that's tough. So they're essentially, they've essentially, I mean, the Magic essentially do not post up Nikola Vucevic at all. Or it's, it's, it's so minuscule now, or at least how NBA.com tracks it, uh, that he's just not posting up anymore. Uh, and Serge Ibaka is getting a little bit more post touches, but the Magic aren't, you know, running those plays where they dump it down to him and let him go to work on the block. And especially for a team without a star, without an easy way to score, to me, that should be the Magic's bailout play to, to get Vucevic in the post and let him go to work. He's fairly efficient in the post, um, at least for his career, maybe not so much this year so far, but he's usually fairly efficient in the post, and you got to trust that those numbers will come back up. And I think keeping him on the perimeter kind of makes him a very passive player, honestly. Uh, and part of it is they're trying to get Serge Ibaka more involved, so he's taking away some shots from, from Vucevic. And part of it is when you play Vucevic and Biombo together, you can't have Biombo at the elbow. You can't have Biombo too far away from the paint. And so that's taking away... Uh, important post touches from Vucevic. And so I think Vucevic and his struggles and, and some of his shot selection and his field goal attempts per game are also down to about 10 per game, if I'm not mistaken. He was around 15 last year and the last couple years. Uh, essentially, what, I, what I'm seeing with the Magic, with Vucevic especially, is their personnel just takes away what he's strongest at. And the Magic aren't pushing, I guess, what he's best at as a, as a center in, this, in the NBA. Because... You know, he's a good mid-range jump shooter, but if you're shooting 45% on mid-range jump shots, you're doing a good job. What bo- what boosts his field goal percentage is he's, he shoots around the basket and post-ups a lot more. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'd love to see them post him up, but I think you've got two things in play with that. Is one, that's not the offense Frank Vogel has mm-hmm. ever run. You know, his offense has always been very wing-dominated with bigs who are comfortable around the free-throw line. Even Roy Hibber. As big as he is, he never got post touches for them. The other piece is you're 100% right when he's paired with Biombo. And I would honestly, I'd just scrap that entirely. I would not play them together at all. I would give those backup four minutes, give those to Gordon or give them to Jeff Green. Somebody who can step in, kind of play similar to the role of Baca's playing and really split Vooch and Biombo's minutes just right down the middle if you need to. Need a little more offense, go with Vooch. You need a little more defense, go with Biz. And just go in that direction because Vooch is too important. The other thing is when you don't have him in the post, you're not taking advantage of one skill he's really improved at, and that's his passing. He's become yeah. a very good passer, I which think, is I think, they, I, think, I think they try to use his passing more at the elbow and kind of like Princeton sets. I mean, that's that's stuff that I do when I'm playing pickup because I grew up running a lot of Princeton and watched Northwestern when they ran to Princeton, and that's where you set the ball up in the in the Princeton. But I mean, the Magic don't use a lot of motion or run a lot of Princeton offense, but they're kind of keeping the center at the at the elbow as kind of the fulcrum of the offense rather than moving him to the post, which you know. I, I, I'm not against it because Vucevic is a great passer, and I think they're they're they are using that part of his game uh, really really well so far. But at the same time, I think that they need to use other parts of his game that are really really good too. Because, uh, like you said with Biz, I mean when you pair Vuce and Biz together, Vuce can't guard fours on the perimeter, so Biz is guarding fours on the perimeter, and now you lose Biz's shot blocking in the paint. So it's yeah. just like there are all these mismatches where. 
you know, to play all these really good players together, you've got to sacrifice what makes them really good at, at, uh, in some in some way. Yeah, absolutely, and that's the the challenges. I think I, I want to go back to what you said right off the jump was the sky isn't falling here, right? We're 12 games into the season. We it's going to take a little bit of time to figure this out. And one of the things that I think people will say, okay, yeah, they've got a lot of new players. But even the guys who are here, they're adjusting to a brand new coach too. So it's going to take a little bit of time to figure these things out. I think the moving Gordon to the bench was the first step in that progression of doing that. I don't think that's a long-term move that's probably going to be a, you know, maybe a five to ten game sample. Wait till after and then the go back to it. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think that's what you're looking at there. And then I think you're going to start to see the rotation really kind of lock in and solidify. And then it'll be really maybe that ninth and tenth guy. And, and Frank Vogel is, again, very specific that he wants to play nine guys regularly. Now, it looks like early in the season he's been going to ten, but I think that's just because he's trying to figure out who can number nine be. So he's been mixing and matching guys in and out there. I'd like to see C.J. Wilcox maybe get a little bit of run, yeah. see what he especially, can do. Especially before Jody Meeks comes back likely toward the end of the month. Absolutely. And Now, I don't know how realistic that is because Wilcox is obviously not a part of the future here. They declined his, yeah. his option and they didn't pick it up. So, so he's not likely to be part of the Magic long term. So I, I don't know, but it's just something a little bit different, different look. Maybe Jody Meeks is the answer for that bench shooter that they need that Hazonia hasn't been able to fill. So so I think we're going to see Vogel start to lock in. Usually I always tell people somewhere between Thanksgiving and Christmas is when coaches want to really start to lock into their, their core rotation group and stick with it, especially before we hit that December 15th trade window when the next big trade window opens up really as the guys who are signed over the summer become eligible to be traded. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit about that uh, in, a, in a moment. Circling back around to, to Aaron Gordon now, what are your thoughts? I mean, we've, talked, we've, we've, we've scratched the surface on it a little bit and talked a little bit about it, and I think you and I are both in agreement that the Magic should be open to playing him at the four a little bit more because uh, essentially right now he's played zero minutes at the four if you look at basketball reference and, and, and how they calculate positions. Uh, yep. Do you think this experiment with Aaron Gordon at the three is working and worth continuing? Or what have you seen from from this from this experiment of moving Aaron Gordon to the perimeter? I think it depends on what kind of team the Magic want to be. If they want to be a playoff team, I think you have to play him at the four. Because mm-hmm. I think that's obviously where he's the best fit today. If you want to do what's best for next year, the year after, and down the line, they maybe have to bite the bullet, take some losses this year, and let him develop at the three. And just you know, work through the growing pains. If he struggles a little bit defensively, struggles with the ball handling and the shot, so be it. And then you find out, you know, can this work? The, the challenge is – is really it's too early for them obviously to pack it in and say you know what we're just gonna you know make it a developmental season i don't think the fan base here in orlando would go for that at I don't all think, i don't think rob hennigan can afford to do that absolutely rob hennigan cannot you know afford to do that under any circumstances and that becomes the the challenge of they went into this year with aaron gordon's going to be a three so i think they have to at least work through it to some extent but then what I do is work through it with him as the three on those bench units, but also make sure he sees at 
least some minutes at the four every night. There's no reason, no reason he can't be a three, four, you know, for yeah. a good chunk of the year. And even when he starts at the three, then stagger him. When Ibaka goes out, let him bump up to the four. I don't know how many minutes he's played alongside Jeff Green this year, if very many at all. They've played if, a few. Yeah, well, why not play the two of them together? Or maybe when Meeks is back, bump Fournier up to the three, put Meeks in, move Gordon to the four. You know, put place and place on a little bit of a different lineups there, where Gordon essentially functions as a starting three and to some extent the backup four. That's what I'd like to see, and that helps is if Vogel doesn't want to run that tight nine man rotation. Yeah, and I and I get the sense when I'm watching this Magic team that Vogel is kind of keeping guys very kind of set in in a certain position right now because he's still figuring things out and figuring out what he has and, and who these players are before kind of offering tweaks to lineups or tweaks to, to rotations to kind of complicate things a little more. He's trying to keep things simple because it hasn't worked precisely how he'd like it to work. I mean, I think defensively we haven't seen a lot of a lot of wrinkles to defend specific guys. I think Russell Westbrook, they put in a little bit of a defensive wrinkle, and at least in the first quarter, the team seemed to respond well to it and execute it well. Offensively, it seems like they're still running very base sets because they're just not ready to do anything more complex. And so I think with the Magic, so trying to push this push Gordon at the three a lot more, uh, a, big thing, a big thing that they're trying to do is just let him focus on being a three right now, not worry about the responsibilities of being a four. And when things settle down a little bit, they'll begin experimenting with lineups, going a little bit smaller, going a little bit bigger maybe. Uh, but right now it just feels like they're trying to keep everything real basic. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it is. And that's part of learning a new coach yeah. and a new scheme and trying to figure those things out. So I agree with you. I think they're trying to keep it simple. And and that's, again, goes back to what we started out with is, don't don't jump yet. You know, give them a little bit of time. You know, and again, they're five and seven. You know, that's not bad. You know, given given some of the things that they're facing here. So, you know, I, th- I think they could definitely you know figure this out. And the schedule starts to lighten up a little bit here too. You know, we've got Dallas coming in over the weekend. Dallas is really banged up. You know, and then then it's second a worst field goal that, shooting in the league. <laughs> yeah, they, Dallas is, don't expect is, offense is, on Saturday. Uh, no, not at all. And then they've got a bunch of teams in a row that they're really kind of similar to Milwaukee, Phoenix, Washington again, Milwaukee again. So those are teams, you know, that it should be a good match and see really where they're at. Uh, then, as, as you mentioned, they head into that road trip to start off the, the month of December. So so I th- think you're going to see them, um, you know, start to really lock in here. And I, and I think by the time we hit the end of the month, maybe by mid-December, we get a real sense of what this team is. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I always say that December road trip is always the first big test for the Orlando Magic. They always take a road trip the first week of December, uh, usually out west. It'll be out west uh, this year as well. Uh, it's That's usually my first, my first time where I'm like, okay, now we figure out who this 
team is and and whether they're going to be any good or not essentially or whether they can be any good or not essentially because they had a good West Coast road trip last year and then of course fell apart later on in the year uh but um you know you 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 mentioned it they're they're five and seven they got they got a, a pretty favorable schedule coming up uh over at FanRag you do you do kind of a nightly recap what does the Eastern Conference look like right now? I mean, it's it's too early to be looking at standings, obviously, uh, or maybe not. It's, it's it's certainly a nice bit of solace with with how bad people think the Magic are playing. Uh, but how does this Eastern Conference look right now? I mean, are the Magic, you know, should the Magic feel like they can be still competitive with with this with this East? I mean, certainly they seem to be record wise, but with how teams are developing and how teams are coming, what what does this East look like? Yeah, I think they're right in the mix. There's no reason why they should feel like they're out of it at all. Um, their teams haven't – no one has separated, which is a little hard to do this early in the Outside season. Of right? <laughs> Outside of and, and we all knew that was going to happen. But Toronto looks good. Charlotte looks good. Atlanta looks good. Boston showing signs maybe they're getting there as soon as they get Al Horford and Jay Crowder back. And then the Bulls eh, maybe starting to come back to earth just a little bit. I know they're on a three-game winning streak right now. But we'll see what they are. And then the Pistons and Pacers have been a 500 team. So the Magic are right there. They're within striking distance with those teams. Like I said, they've got Milwaukee, who's a pretty similar team in a similar stage of development to the Magic. And if they can get the defense figured out, that's going to be the big thing that could carry them a long way, especially as we get into that kind of uh, um, dregs of the season when teams are just kind of – you know, trying to figure it out over the holidays and into the beginning of the first of the year. And, and if the Magic can really have a solid defense going into that point, they're going to be okay. So that that's the good thing is they're right there in the mix. I think the Eastern Conference is going to be like that all year long. You know, I really went into it. Brooklyn's been better than expected, but they're starting to show signs of yeah. what they're really going to be. Washington has struggled out of the game. Miami doesn't look so good. Philadelphia is still Philadelphia. You know, trust, trust. <laughs> I mean, we got, we got. I, I'm, I've, I've got the the Sixers T Wolves game up on my TV over, over to my, over to my left here, and it's it, the Minnesota, Minnesota could collapse in the third quarter and, and still have a twenty point lead in this game. Which is which is saying something. Consider Minnesota has been rotten in third quarters yes. this year, yes. coming out of the half. So, so that that's the thing. I think the Magic are going to be right in the mix all year long, and it's going to be that they don't let a bump in the road come up like last year, right? They were right around a 500 team going into the turn of the calendar year. And then the wheels came off. They went on that long losing streak and everything fell apart. So as long as they can stay together, which I'm starting to sound like Frank Vogel here (laughs) myself, but it's, uh, you know, that's, that is really important, you know, is, is trust the coaches, trust them what they're trying to build and they'll get it figured out. Yeah. But I mean, I think, it is it is early for conclusions, uh, and it is early to to really say anything definitively. But twelve games is a decently decently decent sized data set. We do have a bit of a feel for this team, and I think uh, if the Magic are truly in kind of a playoffs or bust season, it does feel like they have to make a move, you know, by the deadline. Does doesn't it? Or, or what? I mean. Is there going to be a lot of pressure to make a move, regardless of where the Magic are at, to, to make sure they get into the playoffs come come April or come February at the deadline? Yeah, I think this is the tricky part with this team, is they're right in the middle of that rebuild, nearing the end of it. They tried to 
accelerate it, right, and push it forward this year by going out and getting Ibaka and signing Biombo and bringing in some veterans like Green and Augustine. So the challenge is going to be, do they, if they're, let, let's say they're right in the playoff mix, or let's say they're even in the in the bottom half of the Eastern Conference around the deadline, do you push it forward even further and trade some of these young pieces? Like, do you cash in on an Alfred Payton and Aaron Gordon to go get a big, big time player from a rebuilding team? How do you figure those things out? You know, I know a lot of people love to make the DeMarcus Cousins connection because, well, the Magic have centers. They can trade one of them for him. It's not quite that easy. You know, it doesn't really work that way. And I'm not sure. It's not that, it's not that easy. It's not that easy to go get Rudy Gay from the Kings with the, with the assets the Magic have. Absolutely. And that's, that's the thing is the pieces that the Magic would be willing to trade are not going to get them all that much. The pieces that they probably want to hang on to more are the pieces that could get them that better player. So I think we're going to have to see where they are come, you know, right around the end of January, beginning of February to, to find out. I, I do think, and you mentioned it before, that Rob Hennigan's under a little bit of pressure here, right? He built this. It's time to, time to push for the playoffs. And I do think if they're right around the playoffs or in that mix, you could see them cash in on one of these young guys. The guy probably most likely at this point might be Mario just because yeah. he, he hasn't lived up to it. You might be able to get something for him from a team that says, you know what, we can give him a bunch of minutes over the last two months of the season and let him go out there and figure it out in a less pressure environment and get a player. So that that's something to keep an eye on for sure. And, and I think that would actually be really, really good for, for Hazonia. When, when the Magic drafted him, he, everyone knew he was a project, that he wasn't going to be able to, to contribute immediately. Uh, and I think being in an environment where the Magic were trying to win immediately, I think didn't stunt his growth, but it didn't help his growth. And, and that kind of pressure, I think, hurt him, especially Skiles being really demanding about defense, which wasn't his strength, and, and kind of putting shackles on him offensively. And now Vogel, obviously, I, I think that pressure trickles down to, to Vogel and the, and the coaching staff and the team that they got to win. They got to make the playoffs, and, and certainly they, like you said, there's every reason to believe they can still turn. They can still turn things around and make the playoffs. I mean, it's they're they're not too far. They're not far out of things at all. Uh, what what I worry about, and, and I'm curious what what you think about this. Um, and it may be too early to really think too hard about this. What what I would worry about if I were a Magic fan is if the Magic are in a situation where they have to make where they where they're looking to make a deal. And they're just outside the playoff race, and they decide we're going to take on long-term money and kill a lot of our cap flexibility to go get a player. You know, I don't know who it would be, but to get a player that will get us into the playoffs and puts an unnecessary kind of cap on the team where they're stuck being an eight seed for the next three, four years and don't really have much of a way forward, or they're still kind of a borderline playoff team. That would be that would be my concern if I were the Ma- if I were a Magic fan beginning to look at the trade market and figure out you know who is who's who's who who's what who's what and what kind of moves the Magic can make because sometimes the best move you can make is sta- is kind of standing still maybe missing the playoffs by a half game and then going to a free agent and selling them on we missed the playoffs by a half game you're the miss you're the missing piece we got the money to sign you and all the pieces back from last year. Yeah, I'm with you, and and I'll add to that too. Is one thing I don't want to see them do is trade away. You know, let's use Rudy Gay as the example. 
I don't want to see them give away Aaron Gordon and Mario Hazonia in a panic move to bring in Rudy Gay. No one to, wants to see that. No, no, to lose, you know, four games to two in the first round of the playoffs and then watch Rudy Gay walk out the door anyway. You know, those are the kind of moves that, that can just sink you forever. And as much as, hey, I'm here, that's the, the team I can go see the easiest. I want to go to playoff games too. Everybody wants to go to playoff games, but I don't want to do them at the expense of going to playoff games for the next three or four years. So you need to be really cautious with the way you handle this. And there's there's one of two ways that you can do it. You said it, stand pat, or you could make the mistake of taking on too much long-term salary, which they might already have done with, you know, Biombo's contract and uh, it looks like Serge Ibaka. I mean, and he's been good. You know, he's right now he's earning that contract that whatever's going to come his way. And then, or do you give up some young guys for a guy who, yeah, he pushes you into the playoffs, but, you know, what, what difference did it really make? You know, so that's the challenge. I, I always say the middle is death in the NBA. You don't want to be stuck yeah. in the middle. You know, either be, be bad, you know, even if it's for one more year and to get, to get another pick, keep that flexibility to move forward, or you want to be really good. And challenging, and right now the Magic—they're—they're they're approaching that stuck in the middle point, and whatever the decisions Rob Hennigan and Frank Vogel together make, that's going to be what what decides the, how the direction goes, not just for the rest of this season, but probably for the next two to three years down the line. Yeah, and and and, and I think I think on that point, you want to be going up or go or sinking sinking down. Yep. Um, like it's okay to be the eight seed if you are the Detroit Pistons because you're going up. Um, you have reason to, you know, that was an experience here. Get us experience. You want to make the playoffs, not just to make the playoffs for the playoff sake. You want to make the playoffs with the ambition of improving your playoff seed the following year and being better the following year. You don't want to be the Ma- the Tracy McGrady era magic. The Tracy, Ma- the Tracy McGrady era magic were, they were never getting out of the first round. And they, yep. you know, I think they had a home court. They, they finished fifth one year in a really bad Eastern conference but they were always kind of uh, also ran. No one considered them a contender. They never made steps forward. They were just kind of stuck in the playoffs because Tracy McGrady was so damn good that he would he could get you the playoffs by himself in, the, in that Eastern Conference. That's not what the Magic want. So if if the opportunity to get a star arises and it sets you up for your future, that's a deal you consider. If it's renting, you know, Rudy Gay, you know, to to get you into the, because you think he can get you in the playoffs, which I think might be a dubious claim uh, on its own. Uh, you probably might want to second guess and say, well, what am I giving up? You know, can I afford to give this up? And will I resign him in the end? Um, it, I, it's a really, this is the, this is always, I think the trickiest part of, of a rebuild. And I think for the magic, it was made trickier by the moves they made this summer, kind of pushing all their chips in already to begin with. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They went for it this year. And I think they went for it hoping the guys they already have on the roster were enough to get there. Now it looks like they might be a piece or two shy of where they need to be. And that's going to be something they're going to have to figure out, you know, as it goes into it. And we'll, as I said before, we're just going to have to see where, where they're at. I think their play over the next couple of months will really be what decides whether or not they're buyers or sellers as we approach the trade deadline, because that's going to be where it's at. I think they're probably going to be, in no real different of a situation than they're in right now. <laughs> you know, I just, yeah. that, that's not, that's not, not on the magic necessarily. I think that's as much on the Eastern conference as it is. I think the Eastern conference, probably from about five through. We've said five to 11. Yeah. 
Yeah, five through ten or eleven, they're probably going to be about the same. So, so that'll be a uh, maybe a thing where they're just going to have to figure that out. If it was me running it, I would not do anything that's a marginal upgrade just to make the playoffs. I think getting close this year is fine, and then build on it next year, as you said. You know, make that your selling point. You know, hey, you can be the guy who takes us to that next level. Because what the difference could be next year is. They could go from nine to three or four with the right moves. Yeah. As opposed to this year, maybe they go from nine to seven, and then you're locked into seven or eight, as you mentioned, like the McGrady years. And nobody really wants that. Again, fun to go to playoff games, but you don't want to go to to win them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of where the Atlanta Hawks were for years, right? They were the same team every single year, seven, eight seed and get bounced out of the playoffs in the first round. And that's, you know, now they've turned it around, but what they finally did was they remade the roster on the fly. They also have been blessed with really good coaches, you know, for a number of years that have come in and done really well. So that, that's, that's just going to be, you know, exercise a little bit of patience. We don't just cause you pushed all the chips to the middle of the table this summer. doesn't mean you need to double down on it now here at the trade deadline and really go for it. Unless that absolute superstar player is there. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, what, I mean, just, just, just give, give, I mean, you, you follow the cat, you follow the cap stuff really, really well. Um, do a great job for that on, on real GM as well as on fan rag. Uh, what do, what do the Magic's books look like? Do they do they have flexibility? Obviously, the Serge Ibaka question is kind of the the. I mean, when you I mean, the summer is a long way away, and I'm still kind of of the mind that there's a very real possibility the Magic shop Serge Ibaka or at least entertain shopping Serge Ibaka when the trade deadline comes around, as much as they do uh, Nikola Vucevic, perhaps. But what what do the Magic's finances look like? What do what what do the ledgers look like? Uh, heading in, you know, at, at this moment, you know, is this a team that can make a play for free that, you know, all things being equal could make a play for, for some free agents this summer. If they, if they feel like we're ready to, to take that next step or convince someone that, you know, we made the playoffs this year, you're our next step. Can they, can they go get that guy? Yeah. I think what we're looking at for the magic, they're big free agents that I call it are really going to be Ibaka and Jeff Green. Jeff Green, there's not... They'll probably not renounce a, him, I would think. Exactly, because they don't have, have bird rights on Jeff Green. They don't yeah. even have his early bird rights. So, so it really comes down to being a Baca. They, the, the writing's on the wall for C.J. Wilcox. They didn't pick up his, his team option. It's probably out the door. Then it's Onowako and Rudez. They're not going to just... They're gone. And then Jody Meeks becomes the other guy probably, you know, at this point, replacement level. He's going to have to come back and be huge for him to be in the picture. So that really leaves Serge Ibaka and wherever they fall in the draft, let's say it's going to be somewhere around the 10-ish range if they don't make the playoffs. Somewhere in the 16 range. Yeah, somewhere in that range. So now you're looking at probably about 20-ish million on the cap if if they don't keep Ibaka on the cap. They were to renounce him. If they keep Ibaka on, you're looking at only around probably nine to maybe ten million, depending on where the cap comes in. Now that's enough to go get a piece. It's not enough to do a huge move with. And then what it comes down to is they spent a lot of their money last year, you know, on um, Evan Fournier's extension, which was great. I'm not knocking that at all. I think they did wonderful work there. Bringing in Biombo, uh, they locked up Vooch a couple years before that. So, so that's where you're really looking at their cap situations. Not 
really as rosy as I think some people think, but it's because they're already carrying some of those big dollar contracts on some of the guys they did work on previous. And then, then you get DJ Augustin in there and he's making a decent chunk of change. So, so they, they've got room to make moves. Now, if they were to move Abaka or decide, you know, we're not going to resign him, you're looking at, they've got, got room for a max player potentially to bring in on a deal. And that's going to be the question of which way do you want to go? That's always the challenge. Is it worth bringing Ibaka back at whatever it's going to cost you to bring him in? And that's probably going to tie up your cap going forward, especially. And I mean, with, well, you're going to essentially be locked into this team if you resign. If you re, I mean, obviously it's a long way away, and if the Magic make the playoffs, it's you know, it's it's maybe something you're a little more comfortable with. But you know, if let's say the Magic finish, what what does five and seven equal for a whole season? Uh, I will 38, 34, 34, wins. they're on pace for 34 wins essentially yeah. right now by, by win percentage. If you finish, let's say you finish with 35 wins again, Frank, uh, Rob Hennigan's probably gone. Number one, but yeah. number two, uh, I mean, do you re if you re-sign Serge Ibaka to that team, you're essentially running with the same crew, uh, because he tie he's going to tie up so much money. Absolutely. And on top of it, then you've got Gordon and Peyton are looking at new contracts. Yeah. Too. So you're really going to lock into whatever this team is now. So either this group needs to make massive improvement for you to feel comfortable re-signing Serge and bringing them back and being a very solid playoff team. Or maybe you do need to look at, like you said, if they're not in the picture, maybe you move Serge at the trade deadline, pick up whatever you can get for him, then roll that money into the summer and go, out, go back out there and bid. Now, it's not the greatest free agent class in the world, but... Maybe what they need to do is rather than go all in on one guy, maybe you spread that around on two or three guys, bring in a bunch of guys and create good, healthy competition and go after it that way. Plus, that also has the addition of, at that point, if things haven't haven't worked out that they're a playoff team, there's a good chance that didn't mean Aaron Gordon worked at the three. So now you move surge that opens up the four for Gordon, drop him in where maybe he should be playing, and off you go with that as the future lineup. So, so a lot of questions to be answered here as we go, not just on the floor, but off the floor as well. Yeah. And it's obviously still a long, long ways away. Uh, you know, but December 15th is a month away. That's when the trade market really begins to open up, really begins to, uh, to, you know, that's when we'll begin seeing rumors fly. I mean, I know I've seen, you know, Rudy Gay obviously had his statement from earlier. Uh, uh, you know, I, I've, I've seen some people suggest Omri Caspi, uh, you know, I've seen some random websites that aren't real rumors suggest other deals <laughs> that make some sense but don't make any sense at the same time. Uh, I'm not going to mention. Oftentimes, what, aren't even legal. <laughs> uh, yeah, half the time is aren't even legal. Uh, I'm not even going to mention the specific deals, but people send them to me, and I'm like, yeah, that's 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 not happening. Um, but a lot can change between now and February. Uh, the trade, you know, the trade deadline will be here probably before. We even know it. Uh, you know, we'll def definitely would love to have you back uh, back then when, when things are a little bit clearer. Uh, but to, to to close the show, you know, what what are I mean, what are your overall feelings then on on the magic? Uh, do you think that this is going to come together and this is going to this is going to work? Do you do you still stand by your your preseason predictions? I know you were pretty high on the team. I was I felt I was optimistic, but apparently pessimistic as well because I, I had them missing the playoffs at 40 wins, but uh, how, how are you feeling about your preseason predictions now 12 games into an 82-game season? So I was definitely optimistic. I had them at 43 and 39 and in the playoffs uh, squarely. I 
I've, I'm coming off that just a little bit, maybe you know closer to that right around 500 range mm-hmm. uh, for the Magic going forward. But I, I still think they can get this figured out. I think they've they've weathered the early season storm. They've they've had some bumps, but it's not as bad as it looks. And it goes back to one of the things we said at the very beginning of the show was when they've lost, it's looked really really bad. But a loss is a loss. It doesn't matter if you lose by one or you lose by a hundred. Same as a win's a win. Doesn't matter how you got it. So five and seven, probably right around where I thought they would be at this point in the year, with all the growing pains and working in a new coach, a bunch of new players, guys in new roles. And I think they can get this turned around. And I do think that they still have as good a shot as they did prior to the beginning of the year of being in the, the playoffs as they, they as I thought they did then. Yeah, and and I think I think I think you're right on that that they're kind of exactly where we thought they would be. Um, it it's it's always it's always funny. I think at a point last year the Magic were playing really really poorly, and everyone was beginning to panic a little bit. And I would always pull up the record and say, look, they're exactly where they were last year, or they're slightly ahead of where they were last year. So we don't need to panic quite yet. I haven't done that with this year's team yet, but. They're right there. They're not too far under 500 as long as they don't have another long losing streak. You know, lose a whole bunch of games in a row, they'll be in the hunt. They'll they'll have every opportunity. And just like their games, yeah, they're ugly. Yeah, they're not scoring, but they're still in the game. They 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 still give themselves a chance. And I think, uh, you know, I said this to, to a few people after last night's game. I don't think the Magic win last night's game last year. Uh, against or not last, I guess, I guess everyone's listening to this on Friday. So I don't think they win Wednesday's game against the Pelicans last year. Um, I don't think they beat the Sixers like they did earlier in the year last season. So there is something different about this team um, that I think will help them weather those storms. And I think we're going to learn a lot about the Magic in the next three weeks or so. They got the they got this nice little home stretch where I think they got to pick up wins, like he said. Uh, and then that December road trip is always the test for this for the for the Magic. Um, if they can, if they can, if they can get back from that road trip, still kind of where they're at, you know, slightly below 500 or, or even at 500, wherever wherever they are when they when they leave for the road trip, uh, I think that will be a good sign that this team is coming together, has begun figuring some things out, and, and has established an identity uh, that can be successful, which is I think what they want to do through this first quarter of the season or so. Absolutely, I, I you know it's it's. This next week or so is really going to tell us a lot. I think if they can pull off some wins there, hit that road trip, as you mentioned, as a 500 or maybe just above team, go into that, maybe steal a game or two on that trip, I I think they're in great shape. Yeah. Keith, uh, tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter as well as uh, what what you got working on for Real GM and FanRag. Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA, K-E-I-T-H-S-M-I-T-H-N-B-A, no spaces. Should be a pretty easy one. I do tend to live tweet a lot during games, so I apologize if that's not your thing. And then a lot of rest of what I tweet about is roster moves and things that I'm hearing around the league. Uh, For Real GM, I just had a piece go up today about Jabari Parker and his growth. I know the Magic are playing the Bucks a couple times here in the next week or so. So if you want to check that out and see what his improvement is. And then daily for FanRag Sports, I write a column called The Skip Pass. The idea being if you have to skip league pass, we're going to catch up on everything that went on around the NBA. Uh, we cover each game each night. There's a couple of focus games that we go a little bit deeper on, and then we'll hit on at least a point or two from every other game around the league. 
try not to go too in-depth. We try not to just spit out box score stats to you want to call it something you might have missed by not being able to see the game and that you wouldn't pick up just by reading the box score. So those are the places you can also find me at Celtics blog as I do cover my hometown team being originally from the Boston area. So you can find some of my written work there as well. Awesome. Be sure to follow Keith. He's a fantastic follow. does a great job keeping track of the finances around the league. Part of the, you know, definitely, definitely in that, that big triumvirate of guys that, that, that do that, that sometimes tedious, but always, always welcomed and, and thankful work. Uh, we, we love, we love, we love people keeping track of that, that for us because the, the CBA can get a little complicated. Uh, and of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Omagic Daily. Be sure to follow our, our podcast account on, at, on Twitter at Locked On Magic as well as like us on Facebook. Believe it or not, you can also find the Locked On Podcast Network on FanRack. So as you're reading, uh, reading the skip pass, you can scroll down and there should be a Locked On Podcast there. Um, probably not Locked On Magic, but if you go to a Magic article on FanRag, you should find Locked On Magic there. In addition to Audio Boom. Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, all those fun places. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast there and leave us a five-star review. We do appreciate that. Uh, no preview of the Dallas Mavericks game here because we had the long podcast, but uh, maybe I'll, I'll put something out quick on Saturday uh, morning just to just to preview the Dallas Mavericks. I'll be watching their game from Wednesday later today as well as watching their game Friday as they are traveling from Dallas for from from an 8.30 game against Memphis to Orlando for a seven o'clock game the next night in Orlando. So that smells like schedule loss to me. I don't know. I don't know what, what else could smell like a schedule loss more than that. Perhaps Minnesota traveling from, from Brooklyn to Orlando overnight. Whoops. <laughs> um, for Orlando, for Orlando magic daily and locked on magic. This has been Philip Ross and Thanks Keith for joining us on the podcast today. Have a great weekend, everyone. We will see you on Monday. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.